A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 156 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as Stitcher, and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like the misplaced hate aimed at BB-8, the EU guru himself, the count of those two continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler! You know, I'm not sure that hate is entirely misplaced, but we will eventually see. I'm. It's funny you mention that. We don't You always talk about the intros. In fact, most of the time we don't talk about the intros. He just comes up with something as we go along. And I was just sitting here watching, you know, to ease my mind, because we're recording this the day after the previous two, so I'm still in the middle of that what's going to happen with the transmission on the new car kind of thing. Um, so to calm myself, I was watching Phineas and Ferb Star Wars, and I tell you, when Sith Ferb busts out that lightsaber that goes, and it's got like six blades total, three on each side, I'm thinking, yep, we're allowing modifications now, and in my mind, I'm thinking, Force Awakens, lightsaber still doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I, I, the trailer's on both of our minds, apparently, though <laughs> Mark is much more forgiving than I am. I actually saw the uh, the Ball Droid Awakens trailer where it was all the Ball Droid. And what's funny was they actually CGI'd this Ball Droid. So when he kind of did the little scene where he it was his scene in the original trailer, this time his head was all smooth and going across. I'm like, oh, that's the difference between a CGI and a real prop. Okay. Now, you know, it seems as though what Lucas did when it came to uh, Jar Jar was that people had a negative reaction to him in Phantom Menace. And so he cut down Jar Jar's role in Episode 2, and then in Episode 3 he doesn't even get any speaking lines or anything. I'm wondering if Episode 7 has the ball droid, and people don't like it, and he cuts back or gets rid or J.J. Abrams cuts back or gets rid of the ball droid for Episodes 8 and 9. Uh, would that effectively be giving the film a vasectomy because you didn't move the ball? <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> As my poor cat oh. is sitting next to me going, what you talking about, man? I could just see it now. If this droid's like an actual astromech and they're flying in the X-Wings and it gets shot like R2 did in A New Hope. Oh, man, I shot my balls off. There you go. There you go. Yes, this is the kind of thing we think about. Yeah, sophomoric humor never left me in my sophomore year. And yet, still more mature than the Family Guy Star Wars stuff. Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time. How many blades are we going to end up with by the time we get to Episode 9? Or simple ones that perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars and so do we. This episode, we turn once more 
to you Beyonders. This week, this third week in a row, your feedback is center stage. Now consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentience of All Ages, because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. Yes, we decided after last episode that there really wasn't a chance because we were going kind of long, and we'd gone kind of long in the first one with the feedback, that we'd take our last handful here and bring it over into this episode. There's not a lot of it. We basically have three people who have written in who we didn't get a chance to address in the previous episodes, but in a couple of their cases, it's several different feedback emails together. In one case, fairly small. In the other case, somewhat longer. So we're going to be looking at feedback here from Greg Evans and Kenny Crayley. So we start out with Greg Evans. His is somewhat short, but gives us a chance to address something about the approach that we have in this case to the show in some cases. Greg says, Hello, Mark and Nate. I prefer the old method you use when reviewing comics when you go issue by issue. While it takes you longer, I enjoy the journey. Yet I would like you guys to review more books. My two cents. Hey, you know, actually, that's uh, that's a surprising one. We kind of switched to it just randomly one day because we were, I don't know, I think in the middle of summer, it really took a long time to get through a couple of the series that we were doing. But I actually, I, I agree with you in a lot of ways because I found it was it was kind of fun to be able to sit there and go, you know, each issue and really break it down. Uh, and it also provided an opportunity for you guys, the listeners, to sit there and go issue by issue with us. And I, I think that that's a lot of fun because I listened back to a couple of those episodes, the earlier ones, where we were really going into it. Uh, I believe at that point we were breaking the series up. You know, we'd have like one arc with like six comics and sometimes that would either be two episodes or three. Uh, we tried to aim it where it was two, where we do the spoiler half and the first you know, two or three of the comic in the one issue. And then we would jump and then do the other half and then have the covers at the end of the second one. That was a format that as the editor of the show, I really enjoyed because, you know, we'd be able to sit down, record it all at once. And then I could edit half the show, put that up and still have another week to edit the other half. So from an editing standpoint, it definitely made things a lot easier in that regard. But one of the big things, too, was that it did kind of slow down us getting to the books. Uh, we do want to get back to more books. The biggest issue with that, it does hang on me. I have not been able to read books as fast. I have, as I put on our Facebook page and stuff, I've been thinking about taking our Audible trial. Uh, I'm leaning really hard towards it. I've been talking to my wife. My wife pretty much is, is convinced that I'm going to be doing it because I keep saying, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it, which usually leads to it's happening. Get ready for it. Uh, so I think she's on board um, and I'm about to make that plunge, I think, because I got so many little things going around that stopping and opening a book has been the hardest part. And every time I do, Jana is just right there. Hey, dad, what are you doing? Dad, let's go do this. Dad, let's go do that. And, you know, honestly, she's so much fun. I have to put the book down, you know, and and that's been the number one thing that's really hurt us on getting books. That is something that we're hoping to, to pick up more of as we move into next year. And because of the level of intensity that we bring to the comics, you know, I was hoping we could do something similar with the books. So we're hoping to invite third hosts back on like what we did with you know bringing on pete morrison for darth plagueis and stuff like that uh especially you know other hosts of other podcasts and stuff and friends that have you know the this one book that we're going to talk about this episode you know it happens to be their favorite book you know i want to get people on that are just really passionate about these projects 
like how we get when we're talking about the comics and stuff and, and various books. But when we talk to the books, usually it's not the same as when we're reading the comics. We're reading the comic right then and there again as a reread. And with the books, it's like, well, you know, I may have just finished the book, but Nathan's probably been done with it for about a month or two. And so he's looking back at his old notes and those things. And so it's not quite as fresh. So getting that third person in and somebody that, that it's something that they really love and they're passionate about, I really think it'll bring the book side to the same level that we do with the comics. Yeah, honestly, I like the fact that we've switched the comic approach a little bit. Uh, I like the way that we did it for uh, the Star Wars, because I think one of the issues that we had was, as Mark was sort of saying there, that it was making our focus so heavily on the comics, which it already kind of is anyway, because there are so many of them out there. It's easy to hit one arc and then kind of step back from it or to carry on from arc to arc to arc to sort of give folks a sense of continuity within the show here of what we cover and all. Uh, but it was really getting heavy when, you know, we'd be trying to cover several arcs of a series building up, for instance, to Vector. And as we did so, that was already going to be a ton of episodes to get through all the issues to get to Vector. And yet, even when we'd cover one story arc, it might wind up being, as he was saying, two or three episodes, and that just dragged it out even longer. I mean, getting to Vector in our look at Dark Times, uh, Rebellion, Legacy, and Knights of the Old Republic was a ridiculously long time. I think it paid off, but a ridiculously long time. Same kind of thing if we do eventually go through and start covering the New Jedi Order book by book, or book series by book series. Uh, it's going to be a ridiculously long run to try to do that, especially if we're trying to read that stuff while we're reading other things, because we'll have to space out the episodes. It's going to take us probably a good year to do something like that. Um, and we were already getting some people saying, as Greg was saying there, that, hey, we'd like to see more books being discussed. And, you know, the more we did with the comics, the less weeks there were to be talking about the books, even if we were ready to go into a particular book or book series or, you know, retrospective looking back on an entire series of books or something like that. It was just one of those things that uh, is hampered by how we were doing the comics. Plus, it's one of those things where sometimes we might talk about something at the beginning of an issue of a comic uh, when we were doing them sort of more just start summarizing and then just kind of stop and talk about it after each couple of scenes or every few pages that would tie into something that would show up later in the episode, uh, the episode of the show and the issue of the comic. And, you know, I know I for sure, and Brock called this out, but wasn't actually aired on the show. I remember Brock called this out when we were talking about stuff on the uh, the last episode of Rebels Roundtable. It's like, man, you know, you kind of talked around in a circle there and said the same thing several different ways. I tend to do that. It's bad enough I do that the one time let alone to wind up having a topic show up at the beginning of an episode we can talk about tying into things later in the episode, and it goes around in a circle once, and then when it comes up again in the same episode, later in that same comic issue, it comes up again and gets talked around in a circle. I think it helps keep us more concise when we're dealing with it that way. It just means, though, you got to deal with a bigger chunk of trying to summarize everything. Um, you'll probably find, if you are a reader of my Star Wars Timeline Gold, that if you look from like 1999 up to now, my book summaries have tended to be longer and more detailed than they were for some of the older stuff. Because at the time, I was trying to race through and summarize a ton of books in about a six-month period to get ready for the release that finally introduced summaries, the Star Wars Timeline 6.0, I believe it was. But now, you know, maybe it's 
two or three books in an entire year, I spend a lot of time summarizing it in detail. Um, there, there's got to be a balance that we get to here on the show. We want to remind people of what it is that we're talking about in case they haven't read the story in a long time so they don't have to read it along with us. But as we're summarizing, do we want to stop and hit every little thing? Because if we do that, it just stretches, stretches, and stretches the episode out. Uh, I actually would say that's something that stands out to me, and it's something that we're going to be doing more as we go into the new year. Uh, it's not even so much that I want to see more books, though I do. Uh, it's the, those oddball topics that we do, like mm-hmm. uh, the topic we're going to do coming up about the different formats of collecting and the way that that impacts the business side and the collecting side of things, you know, paperback versus hardback versus sci-fi book couple edition versus audiobook versus whatever. Um, you know, what are some stories from Legends that could still be tied up like loose ends? Topics like that that we've talked about, or uh, the race diversity and gender diversity in Star Wars topics that we've covered before. It's been a while yeah. since we really delved much into those outside of big events in Star Wars, like the Dark Horse Retrospective. Or looking at, hey, you know, what do we think about the new canon policy thing? Uh, those are things I would like to see. But part to me, in a lot of ways, um, has just been the practicality of everything. Because up until now, generally what was happening was I was working every single weekday, teaching in an actual school. And then on the weekends, be my one time with my wife. But depending on her schedule, a lot of times she'd be working during the day. So... You know, we might, you know, she might be working during, say, the, the late afternoon on a Sunday, and we would be recording early on a Sunday, and there'd come a point where it'd basically be, you know, well, honey, I need you to step out of the room, or if you're in here, be quiet so we can record. And that was always just kind of like a, a tension point. I mean, she's fine with it, but, you know, of all the little chunks of time that we get to spend together, there's not many of them, and that would take a chunk out of those. That's changed now. She's working nights at this point, and... Starting this semester, aside from some meetings and things like that, I'll be working mostly from home. So that opens up the ability for me to record for longer sessions and such, much more so than it was before. Before, there were some pretty heavy time constraints that would hit on my end just to not be a jerk to my wife. Whereas now, you know, that's much more open because generally I can record, you know, in the other room while she's sleeping throughout the day. Um, and it's no big deal. That's why we could record the last two episodes that we did, the first two feedback episodes, all in one sitting. Because why not? She's asleep. Yeah, and that's something I have to juggle as well. You know, I'm a family of five, and we're you know heavily involved in scouting and things like that. My nephew's about to get in scouting, and I'm going to be kind of helping him along in that. So it's like I've got all these other extracurricular activities going on that that keep my attention away from the things I want to do. I mean, I've been working on you know, some new theme music for about four or five months, six months or so now. And I'm still no farther than I was when I first really sat down and started on it. I mean, it's just all these other projects and activities come up, you know, it's it, whether it be the haunted house or, you know, another cave trip or a fundraiser or snow capades or another hike. Uh, <laughs> the downside of being an active leader in a pack uh, is that they utilize you, especially when most parents don't step up uh, you, if you're the only one that does, you find out you're going on every single weekend. So like, as Nathan said, you know, he'd have one or two days open. Mine was the same way, except for every day I had available on the weekend to spend time with my wife, we were doing scout things. It was literally bam, 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 bam. I mean, we finally got this last weekend was the first weekend we haven't had a scout activity. We're like, oh, oh thank goodness. And we've got two more months 
And then my son bridges out and becomes a Boy Scout. And then it's a whole nother ball game on a whole nother night. And my schedule rotates all over again. Plus, I've got other podcasts that I do. So there's quite a few different things. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is kind of like the baby show. I mean, this is the one that, that I put all my uh, my passion into. I mean, I, I'm the one that edits most of the episodes and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've, I've streamlined it down where my extracurricular stuff doesn't get too much in the way of that. But as you guys have noticed, I have not been every single Friday. Sometimes it's been a Monday release. Uh, you know, this last over Christmas break, we haven't had an episode up mainly that happened because Nathan got sick. But, you know, these things happen. And when they do, it takes its toll. And I try to do what I can to still get the episodes up, stay up late. I have insomnia most often. So, you know, that's the, the biggest time that I get most of my editing done now. Whereas before I had, you know, dedicated times during the day. Now it's just whenever I can get to it or when I'm down in the studio, you know, rearranging and tinkering, which I kind of use that as an excuse to edit. I'm like, well, I'm going to go downstairs and edit. And my wife's like, you can do it up here. I'm like, no, no, I like to have the speakers off and, and tinker while I do it because then I'm being productive twice as, as much. Multitasking. Amen to the multitasking. Uh, I look forward to that with the new job, being able to grade and do all kinds of things while I can also watch things and listen to things and whatnot. Two things also that stand out from something that uh, Mark said a bit ago. He did mention the idea of bringing other people onto the show. Eventually, when we get a chance to do our episode on A New Dawn, uh, probably with the context at that point, because it's been a while, um, probably at the context of that point of having season one of Rebels behind us, or just about behind us, we are going to have Jonathan come over from uh, Rebels Roundtable to talk about it, and then we're going to do a simultaneous release of that, kind of like we did with our release of the episode about Darth Maul's son of Dathomir. So that'll be coming up at some point, uh, kind of early in the new year, first quarter, give or take, of the new year. And uh, regarding Audible, because they mentioned the idea of possibly jumping to Audible, I personally haven't used Audible itself all that much, like the Audible app. But if you go on, like, say, iTunes, and you download an audiobook, it's generally the Audible version of it. Like, there's a connection between Audible and iTunes. And... I gotta say, I generally don't listen to Star Wars books that way just because I generally get the the early review copies of them, and that's well before the audiobook is out. So by the time the audiobook is out, I've usually read through the book, like I'm working on uh, Heir to the Jedi right now and all. But if you have much of a commute, that's a really, really good way uh, to get through books that you want to read that you don't have time to read. Um I used to take trips six hours one way, six to seven hours one way to go visit my family in Indiana. And we'd do it, you know, several times a year. I didn't have any family down here. My wife and I weren't together at the at that point. I'd barely met at that point um, when she was much younger and I was a much younger man and all. And back when it would have been illegal um, had we known each other that way. But we... Um, uh, when I used to make those trips, I had an audio drama series I like to listen to, uh, Left Behind. If you're familiar with Left Behind, the Christian book series, some people love it, some people hate it, some you know, are kind of like, yeah, whatever, screw it. Uh, but they made a really good audio drama series out of that. And each audio drama was like six hours long. So it was a perfect amount so that I could drive up, say, on Thanksgiving, listen to one entire story, drive back on Thanksgiving, listen to another entire story, and then at Christmas time, I would go back up and back again and listen to it again along the way. Um, I tend to listen to a lot of talk radio, so for me, it's not usually music in the car anyway. But if you're that type of person, it's a great way to catch up on these types of things. You'd be surprised at how fast you can get through even an unabridged novel. 
when you're doing a lot of commuting because over time it just adds up. Just, you know, leave it sitting in there on your device or have it burned to a disc and leave it sitting in there uh, in the CD player and, you know, just go for it. You know, you know, hey, it's 10 minutes to the grocery store. That's 10 more minutes you've had a chance to listen to of that story. And unless you're getting lost along the way or getting confused by what you're listening to, if you have to stop and start, stop and start, eventually you'll get through it probably faster than you would have if you were trying to make time to read. Unless you're like me and have irritable bowel syndrome, spend a lot of time in the restroom and are a prodigious bathroom reader, as I am. <laughs> See, my roommate, he gave me uh, the New Jedi Order books in audiobook a while back. Well, oh, 10 years back now. It was when I was working at Kodak. And when I worked there, you know, I'd, I'd do a 12-hour shift, make an x-ray film. And when I was in the high-speed machines, you know, I, I was hands-free. All I really had to do is put new rolls on, do quality checks. And then between that, while the machine was running, I could read. So I got a lot of reading done. Then they small format, and they got rid of some of the machine, and they – because they had different sizes, a person had to get in there, and I couldn't use my hands anymore. And that was when I first listened to an audiobook, and I was blown away by the sounds and the music and all the different uh, effects that they were using and stuff. That that was when I first got into it with the New Jedi Order ones. And while I did notice the uh, what is it the abridged versions because they're shorter, their uh, things were cut out. It was weird having certain scenes that I loved in the books being cut out and that kind of bummed me. But then I discovered that there were unabridged copies to some of these things. And I don't know. For me, that's definitely the way to go. I would rather get what's actually in the book than a summarized version of certain chapters. This is true. And uh, that for me, actually, that was how I was. I was talking about how I read Matthew Stover's novelization of Revenge of the Sith before seeing the film and how that gave me that Stover effect and added to the depth of the film. It actually wasn't reading, reading. Uh, I listened to the unabridged audiobook before seeing the film. So that brings in all kinds of other dynamics of the way that it's read. Just uh, bear in mind, that most audiobooks out there, folks, the quality will vary uh, in terms of how much music, how many sound effects, and things like that. And there is a significant difference between an audio drama and an audiobook. An audio drama is fully cast. Uh, different characters, different voices, that sort of thing, uh, like what you get with the William Shakespeare's Star Wars stuff that's been released recently, or the Dark Empire audio dramas, or the Dark Forces audio dramas, whereas most Star Wars books are just really well put together regular audiobooks, where it's one narrator, one voice, sound effects sometimes, music at times, but mostly essentially having the book read to you, which, of course... Uh, again, sort of dovetails into why we want to do that episode on different format approaches that was suggested by one of our listeners, because this is obviously something that we've given a lot of thought to as we've grown as Star Wars readers and listeners over the years. That brings us to Kenny Crayley, one of our longtime listeners here. First off, referring to Spark of Rebellion, the first episode of Star Wars Rebels. Now, technically, he sent this for Rebels Roundtable. We haven't had a feedback episode of that one yet, though, because we don't have a lot of auditory feedback coming in, and we want to do those more as audio clips on the show as much as possible. So we decided to include it here so it doesn't wind up being completely left behind as that series continues forward. So he says, relating to Spark of Rebellion, which is relevant to this show and that one. Hello. Here's my review of Star Wars Rebels Spark of Rebellion. Let's start with the good. Number one, the designs of the locations, planets, ships, etc. I like them a lot. Number two, the characters. Hera, Kanan, Chopper, Zeb, Sabine, and Ezra. I like them a lot. Some of them take some getting used to, like Ezra, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. Three, the sound design. 
It reminds me a lot of the original trilogy and Ben Burtt's original sound effect work on those films, plus some new sound effects mixed in as well. Four, the story. I really like this time period between Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and Episode 4, A New Hope, the original Star Wars. I really like this time period between Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and Episode 4, A New Hope, and like where the story is going. Now, on to the not-so-good. Number one, some of the designs of the Wookiees, while not bad, they're just not right for some reason. Number two, not enough original music themes. While I like the use very much of the John Williams Star Wars themes, I'd also like to hear some original music themes for the characters. Hopefully, as the series goes on, we'll get that. Other than those two things, there's not too much in the way of bad for this first episode or movie of Rebels. A few things I want to address are some of the complaints about Rebels. First off, Sabine. I like her, and I have no issues with Taya Sirkar, if I'm saying that correctly, voice acting. She'll get better over time as the series goes on. Plus, she's a female Mando, which I like. Remember, this is her first big voice acting role. Keep that in mind, fans. Also, to some of the fans wanting the show to fail, I'll say this. Star Wars Rebels is Star Wars as Star Wars can be, and the show is for everyone, not just for kids. So before bashing the show, give it a chance, and let's let it get through Season 1 before saying things like, oh, it's going to fail. Sorry, I had to rant there, but you know, it is what it is. So overall, I like the first episode slash movie of Star Wars Rebels called Spark of Rebellion. I'd give it an 8 out of 10. The pilot was solid overall. Some issues, but there's lots to be happy about. Star Wars is back in a big way in animation form on TV. Star Wars animation is in good hands. Keep up the great work, guys. May the Force be with you. Sincerely, longtime listener, Kenny Crayley. Rant on, Kenny. Rant on. Uh, you know, first I want to address the Wookiees. You know, you're right. Uh, there was something off. And when I think about it, I think it's because the fur on the Wookiees were in the Clone Wars. They had kind of like a solid plastic look to them. And it looked all right. In this case, they look more like pudding. Like, I just, I can't get around it. They look like pudding. Their fur looks like it's just gelatinous, jelly-like pudding of chocolate well, goodness. You said plastic. I think plastic nails it pretty well, in my opinion, because if you look at them, doesn't it look like they basically took the old Kenner Chewbacca figure and mm, used yeah. that as the model for all of them? Yes, actually, that does, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's just, that's it, is... It does not at all look like fur, and and that's what throws it off. Uh, on the topic of the original music, I and I, I'm not meaning you when I say this. I found it odd that many people gave Kiner a really hard time for knocking off John Williams' music, and yet when the trailer comes out, John Williams he gets props for doing the same thing. Like it was just really weird how you know we're. we're we as a, a collective majority of fandom, when it came to that, were just so quick to, you know, chastise the one and give the other one props for it. I was like, wow, okay. But granted, one is John Williams being John Williams. So I guess it's just you playing your own music. I don't know. But for me, it was like capturing that essence. And I really dug that. I do think Kiner's going to put in his own twist on it and stuff. I'd like to get stuff that kind of has the old Clone Wars theme song feel to it. Like maybe have like some old like footage, like what we got in, uh, Rise of the Old Masters, uh, where you get some old footage from back in the day kind of stuff and maybe get some kind of music that goes to the Clone Wars theme during those scenes. That'd be kind of cool to draw that in because I thought that that tie-in was pretty cool. Uh, the aspect about the fans that want Rebels to fail, there's a part of me that, that I'm just like, I don't see how Rebels could possibly fail in fandom. I mean, even the things that were considered a failure by certain fans, uh, 
Dark Times with Nathan, for instance. There are other fans that like it. Um, even me and Nathan not liking uh, uh, Invasion. I mean, even Randy Stradley will tell us that it was a satisfactory conclusion. But, I mean, there's just so many things that we like and dislike across the board that it's it's hard for me to see any one thing as a, as a true fail. I even have a hard time with the public perception that the original, or not the original, but the uh, that the public perception of the prequel trilogy was that it was a failure. I mean, I just have a hard time even accepting that because it, to me, it's like fandom is pretty forgiving. Uh, give us enough time anyway, you know, we'll, we'll come around and see that. Uh, usually if it is a fail, it's just to a, to a select fan base in our fandom. I mean, I think most of the people wanting Rebels to fail are the, the group that really desperately feels that the only way they're going to get Legends back is just if this other stuff fails. And I don't even think we're going to get that. Even if this new stuff fails, they're not going to just switch back to Legends. Oh, hey, we're going to, you know, we'll put this out because that'll make money. The best we're ever going to get for Legends, folks, is them giving us that in addition two and that'll be at a very tiny tiny trickle from what we had before at best what's funny is you just reminded me of and and this is i I swear it's on point at least a little bit while we were getting my car looked at uh my well the kia that i have and it turned out that didn't really need all that much it just was needing some you know alignment and whatnot being taken care of um, we're watching, you know, Price is Right or whatever it is, whatever they're showing on the television, and it ended. And nobody realized that the regular shows had ended and the paid programs had begun while we were sitting there. And there was one that was all about prostate health. So when you said that what we're going to get is just a little trickle, my thought was, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Star Wars is going to have a little bit of a prostate problem for a while, but don't worry, they'll fix it, it'll stop being a little trickle. Um, okay, so, yeah. Um, but to Kenny's points there, um, music-wise, I did notice that it seemed odd. They were using a lot of Star Wars music from the films. Uh, I expected, with it being Kevin Kiner, that it would be more like the Clone Wars, where you would have more themes that might sound similar, but you would also have new themes being developed for these individual characters, and we didn't really see that. Uh, you can really tell the difference between Kevin Kiner's music uh, in relation to John Williams's music and how he sort of riffs on the themes but has his own style to it, if you check out that recently released uh, complete, well, quasi-complete soundtrack that they put out through places like iTunes and whatnot, um, he really sort of has his own touch on Star Wars. And I was surprised that there wasn't more of him to Rebels's music as opposed to a lot of themes just showing up again from the films. It really, it's one of those things that always hit me about fan productions. Like if we were watching a fan film or listening to a fan audio drama, because we'd be drawing from previously existing Star Wars music, whether it was from the films or The Force Unleashed or KOTOR or whatever, it would still be music that would sound familiar. Unless the person went out of their way to grab other music from somewhere. Like there were things when I did Second Strike, that first Star Wars fan audio drama released online, um, one of the things I grabbed from was The Crow. Because the the soundtrack to The Crow, the score to The Crow had some cool things that would go with one of the characters. as like a character theme within that. But usually what you hear is just recycled Star Wars music. Uh, Or in some cases, Star Trek and other sci-fi franchises sort of worked in there. Themes that would be somewhat recognizable to someone with a good ear for that, like the Gilbertsons and uh, Joe Harrison, for instance. You're like, that's Battlestar Galactica's theme! Exactly. Um, And it's odd that... You really kind of have that type of feel going on right now with Rebels where you're not getting a lot of original stuff. I would expect we'll get more original stuff as we go along, 
and the music where it's been used has been used fairly well. What I'm concerned about with the music of Rebels is that they don't accidentally fall into, and they haven't yet, but fall into the trap that the trailers have. I don't know about you. When I look back and think about the early Star Wars prequel trailers, they were awesome in that they mm -hmm. built up our energy. I can still yeah. watch them and get chills, no matter yeah. what I think of The Phantom Menace now relative to the other films. Still yeah. watch it and get chills, but the music flowed perfectly through those, almost as if the music was composed for the trailers. I know it isn't, but it's done very well. But then you get to the last ones, like I think it was the last one for Revenge of the Sith and even the Force Awakens trailer. Uh, and I think uh, the ones for the Clone Wars, when the Clone Wars was released theatrically. And it's like there comes a point where the music just kind of goes, and dump, and it just stops. You know, it's like there, it's a jarring audio mix. It's like they've gotten worse at doing music for Star Wars trailers over the last five to ten years relative to what they were able to do before. Uh, and I, I'd be concerned if they're using pre-existing music, like not pre-existing music that they are then playing again, like using the same notes, but literally pre-existing samples of music, I'd be concerned about the instances in which it doesn't quite match up and we get some jarring moments like that. Thankfully, so far, we haven't gotten anything like that, uh, at least not within Rebels itself. But yeah, it is, it is an odd thing, the way they've been handling the music. And now, Kevin Kiner, playing the role of John Williams. <laughs> there you go. Um... I would say, you know, on the idea of, you know, give it time, give it a full season before condemning or praising it in that case, uh, or at least making a final judgment call on it, I would agree. I mean, this is sort of like Clone Wars. I mean, Clone Wars didn't really get its footing until about the middle of season two, middle of season three going forward, and in a lot of ways didn't really hit its stride until we get to season four. In this case, Rebels, I think, is going stronger at this point. In fact, I forget who it was. Somebody in our one of our previous feedback episodes that we recorded this round made the comment that it seemed as though there's been more development and story being actually told in these first few episodes of Rebels than in the entire first season or seasons of The Clone Wars before they hit yeah. their stride. Uh, and I think that's true. And I agree with Kenny that Rebels really feels as Star Wars as Star Wars can be. I mean, it really is capturing the the feel of the films. So if yeah. you're someone who isn't watching it because of sort of a stand against story group canon, I hate to say it, but, you know, get over it. You know, it's, it's, it's William Shatner speaking to the crowd on Saturday Night Live, you know, get over it, will you, people, please? <laughs> um, because you're missing out on something that's really good Star Wars in general, and this is what the core of Star Wars is going to be for the foreseeable future. It is this, and it's the new films. And I could understand saying, well, I don't like the fact that they're not going to do these types of books anymore, so I'm not going to buy these books. Or I don't like the fact that they're not going to do uh, Legends comics anymore, so I'm not going to read these comics. Television's always been in sort of that weird gray area with Star Wars. We didn't know what to think for a long time of Ewoks and droids. Clone Wars winds up straddling a couple of different continuities because of the way that they've worked it in. Now Rebels is forming the foundation or a big part of the foundation of this new story group canon continuity. Um, give it a chance. If you're a Star Wars fan who is engaged by the films, I think you'll be engaged by this show, story group canon or otherwise. Now, putting that entirely out of mind, uh, we can't exactly say what the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special says, right? The, uh, uh, and... None of this is canon, so just relax. Because <laughs> it is. 
but I think you'll find that if you're if you're not watching it on some type of ideological grounds, I think you're hurting yourself as a Star Wars fan because it is a really good series, and I think that'll bear itself out when we get the last half of season one also. And I would hate to see a show that is significantly better than Clone Wars wind up failing ratings-wise because of people standing away from it. Same thing, you know, Tarkin is a pretty good Star Wars novel. Uh, Heir to the Jedi, so far, pretty good Star Wars novel. You know, A New Dawn. I would hate to see these books that are pretty good Star Wars books wind up not getting the type of reception that they should and making it look like it's a matter of quality when it's more a matter of people standing up in disgust about something that, frankly, isn't going to change. The Legends and Story Group canon publishing divide. Mm-hmm. Well, on another side of that, too, like like you and Kenny both say, you know, if you wait that first season, like, OK, you don't want to watch it. That's that's fine and good. That is your prerogative. Wait till the first season's over and then watch it all at once if you can. You know, I mean, Netflix allows people to do this. Uh, you know, most of the TV shows that I have come to enjoy and really love uh, and just a few off the top of my head would be like Lost, Supernatural, uh, Prison Break. You know, there's other shows like that, but but these are shows, even the Clone Wars, I came into about season three and a half, you know, uh, Battlestar Galactica, another one. I came into them when they were all three plus seasons into the show. I had, you know, I, I pretty much stayed clear of them before that. And then I got all caught up before that season that I got into it ended. I was all caught up to it all with it at the next part. And I think in a lot of ways, when you do things like that, it does like what we've been talking about in past episodes with comic books and the arcs and those type of approaches. How when you get them in the single issues, you know, yeah, they're exciting and stuff, but they're never as good as when you sit down and read it all together. And I think, you know, when you get that whole togetherness and then you get to the point where you're at the single issue, like how you are with the week to week to week waiting for the new episodes. I think at that point, it's built your fandom of that product up because you can see it how it's meant to be seen. I mean. Yeah, it's it, they put it out every week, but I don't think when they're creating the story, they're like, okay, and then we, we, we need to make sure that this is going to be lasting because it's going to be a week before they see the next part. No, they're thinking we're sitting down and watching this like it was like a movie experience. And so, you know, it, that flowing aspect of it is just one of those brilliant things that when you come into it later in the game, that can sometimes play up for your love of the product or, or make it something that you actually enjoy more than if you just seen it one week at a time. Shoot, you want to talk about getting into something late and then enjoying it, plowing through it. Uh, I didn't get into Doctor Who mm, until, yeah. thanks to Con Carolinas one year with uh, Andrew Gilbertson and Sarah and Joe, uh, I didn't get into that until A Good Man Goes to War. I didn't get into that until we got a good chunk into the 11th Doctor's run. So I'm in the process still of catching up on, you know, about 15 years. I haven't even touched. I've, I've seen a few enough. I've seen one with angels. I saw what the day of the doctor and I saw one with the, with the world ending where he took her to the future. I've seen a few enough to get me like, what in the heck's going on? A few Christmas specials. And I'm just like, cause I was at one point I wanted to see what was going on with the doctor, but you know, like, wait, is he becoming someone, you know, the whole concept was foreign to me. And I just remember watching it like, in the late seventies, like I'd go to my grandma's house that had TV and seeing it and it being like really weird back then. I was like, what is this? Uh, and being kind of afraid of it. I same thing with Battlestar Galactica as a kid. Like those shows creep me out. Doctor Who is an awesome show, but catching up is rough. I've seen from the first doctor 
about half the second Doctor, and I've seen from the eighth Doctor onward. I've seen nothing of three, four, five, six, or seven. So I've got a ways wow. to go. Um, <laughs> thank you, Netflix. All right. So the second one coming in from Kenny, probably not as much commentary from us on this one. Uh, just looking back at Dark Horse, which we spent a lot of time ourselves doing, he says, Hello, Star Wars Beyond the Films. Great episode of the podcast, as always, Mark and Nathan. A good retrospective on Star Wars comics at Dark Horse Comics from 1991 to 2014. Here are some of my thoughts on Star Wars comics from Dark Horse. Early on, Dark Horse Comics did a good job with Star Wars stories like Dark Empire, Tales of the Jedi, the film adaptations, Legacy, Knights of the Old Republic, Invasion, the Clone Wars animated series, Tales, the Star Wars, Darth Maul's Son of Dathomir, Dawn of the Jedi, etc. That being said, I thought, though, that after Revenge of the Sith came out, while some of the comic series were still good around late 2010 through the end of Dark Horse's run, the quality sank, as sad as it is to say. Series like Brian Wood's Star Wars Volume 2, Dark Times, and Rebel Heist, etc., just to name a few. I'm very excited for the future of Star Wars comics, with Marvel Comics having the license again. The series coming out from Marvel I'm very excited for, like Star Wars, Dark Vader, Princess Leia, and Kanan series, plus whatever other comic series Marvel has planned next. Marvel doing Star Wars comics again is a good thing, and with the creative team they have doing them, I think we're in good hands. Also, I'm looking forward to what new comic series are coming from the canon. Great show, guys. Keep up the good work with Star Wars Beyond the Films. Mark and Nathan, may the force be with you always. Sincerely, faithful Star Wars Report and Star Wars Beyond the Films listener, Kenny Grayley from Ohio. Well, with that one, uh, you know, looking at Dark Horse's list, I would say, you know, after Revenge of the Stith, we still had quite a few good comics. Um, even even all the way up into 2012, we were still getting a lot of really good stuff. It was the last two years that the ship started to really sink. And then this last year, it sunk fast. Yeah, I think we went into that in great, great detail. Um, I, I wonder, though, and this is something, you know, just to kind of hang out there. So we're going to be talking about stories that legends could still tell in the future and all, uh, if they were to come back to it. But I wonder, in a sense, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. You know, we think about it as Marvel, the, the changing hands to Marvel could be a good thing because we're seeing new creative teams get involved, maybe a new reinvigoration of it. Marvel's getting the license back and they seem very excited about it. People seem excited about it. Um, and it is a new publisher or a returning publisher picking it up for this new era with story group canon. You know, the only thing that's going to be story group canon so far that we know of carrying over from Dark Horse is simply Darth Maul's Son of Dathomir by virtue of being a Clone Wars story. Well, you know, I got to wonder if they hadn't done the canon change, if they hadn't said, okay, Legends is essentially ending, now we're going with this new continuity and Marvel's going to pick up and be a bedrock of that, would we have different thoughts, different feelings about the change from Dark Horse to Marvel? Would we be as, uh, I guess, sort of remorseful in many cases for many fans about Star Wars leaving Dark Horse if that change wasn't part of the deal? You know, like if it was still going to be Legends, but it just jumps from Dark Horse to Marvel, would we feel the same? Hmm. Or another way of putting it, if the change of the whole canon thing had happened earlier and Dark Horse had quite a few series going within this new story group canon and then that jumped to Marvel, would we still feel the same? Uh, because certainly we can't talk about the switch from Dark Horse to Marvel without the whole issue of the continuity change being an integral part of that discussion. I wonder if you take that out to what degree 
it changes fandom's perspective on the whole thing. Well, just proposing that to me, it definitely solidifies me in that case. If that was the case and it was status quo, but everything's, you know, legends for Marvel, I would be more worried. I, I mean, for me, like one of the things I take confidence in is the fact that Marvel has almost a completely blank slate here. Um, the, the things I worry about, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And through Spider-Man, I discovered the Avengers. Okay. Uh, I, I also like all the symbiotes that come with it. So with Spider-Man. So I've gotten hooked on Agent Venom. So I followed him through his series. Well, they just decided to end his series and make him a Guardian of the Galaxy. So lo and behold, I'm now reading Guardians of the Galaxy because there is Venom. And honestly, I'm so upset right now because they had a great story going with Flash Thompson's character. He's the new agent Venom. He lost his legs and the symbiote suit gives him him back. He's got the, the symbiote's been dormant and all this stuff. Well, at one point he creates this other one with this teenage girl that he tries to save. It, it's this whole weird thing going on with the symbiote. But the bottom line is this girl is now known as Mania and he has taken responsibility for her in the comic. And then all of a sudden they just ship him off up and down to space and you don't hear about her again. They're like, okay, so, so what happened to her? What happened to that responsibility? He doesn't even think about her again. Why? Because it's a whole nother creative team doing the other series doing Guardians of the Galaxy. So even his look has changed for this, which they write around it as, oh, well, Venom's in outer space now and the, the symbiote's starting to come awake again. And But that character has been just completely sidebarred in this series. Another one I follow is Kane Parker, who became the Scarlet Spider. They canceled his series and moved him into New Warriors. He was a, another one sidebarred through that whole series. Well, now Spider-Verse is out, and he's a big player in that, so they take him out of the one series and move him over, but there's no explanation as to, you know, where these people are. Another character I follow is X-23. She's in like five different comic series I'm following. She's in the all-new uh, X-Men. Great story with what they got her going on. But she's also in the Wolverines wearing the same costume that is the one that she's in this other one. But there's no references to where she went because in the one story arc, she's bouncing from dimension to dimension. She's not even in this universe anymore. And yet here she is in this other comic wearing that thing, talking about Wolverine's death. It's like, wait, what the heck is going on? So those angles of what I'm witnessing with Marvel stories with characters that I already love has me terrified of what they're going to do. I mean, is Lucasfilm going to keep such a tight rein? Is the story group going to keep a tight rein on who is actually getting to tell stories in Marvel uh, of Star Wars? Then maybe I'd feel a little more confident. But if they're going to leave it up to Marvel to decide who they're putting into what and what story and the way they handle it, I am very scared for continuity. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, Kenny especially has, has mentioned things about, you know, little things aren't that big of a deal, but. To me, I've learned that little things, while not a big deal, depending on how they're clarified, can become bigger deals. You know, yeah, it's a small thing here, but what if the next author takes that little air and decides to make something of it? Or thought that that was where the original author had directed it to go and didn't realize that that was an air and they create this whole big cluster bomb because of it. Uh, Jason Solo is a character that, that readily comes to mind. At the end of the New Jedi Order, he was a kick-ass rogue Jedi that was something beyond a Jedi. And he was going to come and become something more than everything. Then darkness comes and what in the hell do we got? He's not a dark Jedi now. What? What? He was a rogue Jedi. Why are you making him a dark Jedi? Then the next book series comes along. What? He's becoming a Sith? What the hell? He? What is it? It was character assassination is what it was. And it was just a difference in author opinion of that character. And then boom, as soon as they write it, it became a fact. So I, I get very worried in that regard. And, and so if it was still status quo with with it just being the Legends banner, I think I'd be I'd definitely be a lot more scared than I am. I'm already trepidatious about it. 
So in a lot of ways, I guess the perspective you have on it is very much kind of like, you know, what if Lucas had been doing Star Wars Rebels? At least it's an era that doesn't have a lot of stuff to be crashed through. And Mm -hmm. hey, it's characters that we haven't met before, as opposed to when he took the reins with Clone Wars and just smashed through a bunch of stuff that already existed. Um, Mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought about it that way. But yeah, Marvel and DC, I mean, the big companies when it comes to comics love the idea of crossovers, love the idea of, hey, let's have this character show up over here, let's reinvent this character here, hey, this character and his side characters, they're, you know, they're extremely influential in the pop culture, they can make us a lot of money, hey, let's spin it off into four or five different series and let's have them interweaving. I remember back, you know, in the 90s, just with Superman, when they were doing the death of Superman and Batman with the whole oh, uh, Nightfall thing and how yes. you had to literally follow all of the series for that character and that series had numbers but everyone had a little thing on it also telling you what number it was in the overall grand scheme of things so you knew mm-hmm. what the hell was going on um, maximum carnage was that way oh yeah. my god it took me forever to track them all down because i wasn't following each one going into it i think with star wars we'll see less of that because granted you're gonna have several different series going at once vader regular and Leia, at least at this point, with Kanan kind of off to the side because it's a different era. But I wouldn't expect necessarily as much of that. Certainly them putting out more comic series as a way of making more money, but I don't see them doing the crossover stuff. If they do, I can't imagine Lucasfilm ever allowing it to be canon. Um, So again, like Phineas and Ferb, you know, this isn't canon, so just relax. Um, I would see more just an issue of... What you were saying, like, if this was to have been legend continuity, if it was going to continue over from Dark Horse, you would have a whole new stable of creators who wouldn't have the background in what we got with Dark Horse, who may not have the respect for what Dark Horse had done for so long and wanted to do their own thing so much, you'd wind up seeing a lot of things that would start to contradict. At this point, yeah, there's a little bit of concern about, you know, are they going to dilute the franchise with too many series? Are they going to wind up doing crossovers and branching out into other series, which I highly, highly, highly doubt? Um, Or are we going to wind up in a situation where they really can't do much harm because there's just nothing for them to run into at this point as they're getting their footing? But I remember back to the original time when Marvel had the license. I mean, Marvel had an ongoing series that ran for 107 issues three annuals, Uh, Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope were adapted within that main series of six issues each, but then Return of the Jedi got its own miniseries as an adaptation, four issues there, but then they had the short run of droids, they had a run of Ewoks, they didn't really tend to go through and clash with much of anything any more than droids and Ewoks in general with the cartoons clashed with everything, Um, but then they also had their stuff in the Pizzazz magazine. The stuff going on with Marvel UK that was eventually reprinted over here, like World of Fire and such. And they did a pretty good job of mostly keeping Star Wars contained to its own line of comics. There weren't a bunch of crossover things to have to worry about with the Star Wars characters. Like, they recognized that was sort of its own thing. You don't cross it over. You don't do like they did in the early issues of the Transformers and bring in Spider-Man for one issue for no freaking reason. (laughs) Right? Uh, and then wind up having issues with reprints in the future. I think that that's not something to be concerned about. It's just one of those, are they going to be able to keep it consistent? As long as a story group is doing its job, 
I think it would work well. But uh, a couple things that stand out to me, as far as what you were saying about you know the little issues and such, uh, when it comes to little issues for me, it's it's when it gets perpetuated, when the little issues really grow, like you were saying with Jason. But I would take a smaller, more nitpicky view of that. Things like getting the date wrong in some of the early issues of Dawn of the Jedi perpetuates into dates being wrong throughout that entire series until right near the end of the Force War, and only because I got in touch with Jan Dersima and Leland Chi and said, dudes, this is wrong, can you maybe fix this? And gave them the math of what was screwed up with it, so they could actually fix it by the time it was out there. Um, I'm reading Heir to the Jedi right now, and once again, ironically, in a book that was meant to be part of Empire and Rebellion before the new story group canon launched, um, it repeats an issue that showed up in Razor's Edge. When you are in hyperspace, you will not be able to meditate or whatever by watching the fun star lines as you fly. Unless this is Star Trek all of a sudden. That's not the way hyperspace works in Star Wars. You get the swirling, you know, blue and black model tie-dye looking shirt thing going on. And yet, oh, man, the errors were totally lines, man. You're in the sixth yeah. dimension. That's just how straight lines look, man. Although it does remind me, you talking about the, the things being perpetuated. Um, you mentioned the Jedi Order, the New Jedi Order. New Jedi Order had one book that got the ages of the Solo Kids wrong, and that age error perpetuated throughout almost the entire rest of that series. And even I think played a role in why they, in the uh, arc, the early review copy that was sent out, why they got Jaina Solo's age wrong in Crucible. Uh, before again, I emailed them and said, uh, excuse me, something wrong with this age. It's not correct. Need to do the math kind of thing. Um, so it's just a question of what errors exist, what gets perpetuated. Small things are always going to creep in because you have tons of creative talent involved in the same thing. Hopefully the story group will be ones that will catch that sort of thing. But again, you think of someone like Leland Chi, Story Group is sort of doing his job on a grand scale. But remember, even then, Leland Chi wasn't a line editor. He wasn't reading each of these books line by line before they could be released and checking every single fact as he went through. He was sort of a resource for people to ask questions of, and he had the Holocron as a resource to go to with that. So how closely are they keeping track of this type of thing? Is someone who knows going through this kind of thing line by line as they're reading it as an editor to make sure that, yes, this stuff makes sense, this stuff is correct. No, you don't see star lines while you're in hyperspace, etc., etc. Uh, we'll just have to see. And certainly, when it comes to the creative teams behind this, um, you know, there's big names being attached to it, apparently, over at Marvel. Uh, I haven't heard of most of the people being attached to this at Marvel, but I didn't hear about most of the people being attached to comics over at Dark Horse, either, most of the time. And certainly the last time they went with a big name, Brian Wood, it didn't work out so well. So, I mean, creative-wise, you just need someone who's got a respect for the material and the nature of the fact that they're trying to build one continuity now with story group canon. If you got people who believe in that, it doesn't really matter who it is. Big name, small name, unknown. It's going to work. I'm willing to give Marvel the benefit of the doubt until they create their own train wreck. Then gloves are <laughs> off. Or, well, with the exception of the ridiculous number of variant covers. That still drives me up the wall. 
Well, once again, we got way too much stuff, so we're going to actually have to cut this one in two as well. And this is, by the way, also a quick chance for a quick reminder, folks. Don't forget, if you want to win the original two-disc widescreen DVD releases of all three prequel films from their original releases in 2001, 2002, and 2005, plus that bonus, the Story of Star Wars DVD that was released as a pack-in bonus feature for those buying Revenge of the Sith in 2005 at Walmart stores, you can still enter to win that all the way up until March 15th, the Ides of March, by emailing us at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com, putting DVD giveaway in the subject line, and putting your mailing address, in case you win, inside the body of the email. Good luck. Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. And remember, you can always listen to episodes of our show streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and our Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in your search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Notifications come straight to my phone. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you guys have any Star Wars and or Legends EU questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash starwarsreport, you get a free trial run of audible.com to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars Expanded Universe or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate. Because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, like I am, Audible just might be right for us. So, once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening and may the force be with you. Don't quote us the odds. But next time, we'll get to the feedback and not have it have to be three episodes. Well, then Mark's going to break this up into two anyway. Mahahaha. <laughs> <laughs>